It's been a while, hasn't it? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, it has. So, um, yeah, uh, we've been busy, but we've come back to this. We have a, a, a bit of a new setup that we're mooching from. Thank you, Derek and Wes. Um, Shout out. Yeah, go check out uh, Wes's podcast, Dream Fiesta. That's, that stuff is legit. Is that what the kids are saying these days? Pog. <laughs> Okay, so uh, first off, we're going to address some some things. Well, the first episode was probably a relative success in just establishing what's going on for Ryan. And for me, it was a incoherent rambling at some points. So I'm going to give a bit of a summary to kind of make everything feel nice. So... My country is an island off the coast of Ecuador that was settled by uh, Latvians from the little place known as Coraland. Now, um, they were different waves of colonization, so you had people landing on the north, south, and cardinal directions of the islands, four waves. And essentially, uh, where we left off is that uh, they all kind of work independently of one another. Like, they're not really a unified state. They're just kind of communities, and it's kind of difficult to broaden the power of your island, especially when the British have placed sanctions on you for working with the French. Yeah, that probably is pretty devastating, especially in this time period. This is what, 1700? Yes, so something that's, I, I should mention this. So the north part of the island is governed by what is called the GCAC, the Jevatoria Commerce Advancement Council. And it's kind of a governing body. So let me step in here. Yeah, you GCAC. What type of power do they like, hold? Like, so what's, what's the form of like government? How is this council committee? Run. So basically, each town gets a representative and you vote on them, and like you agree to be part of the GCAC. And there's laws on what you can do. Basically, it's kind of like um oh like imagine the Dutch East India Company. It's technically a corporation, but a government, but it's not really doing anything apart from just trying to make everything work. So they start an industrialization program. So the North is much more developed because they have a series of highways. I can't remember if I mentioned it. It's called the Tristeris. You did mention that. The and um, Which literally translates to triangle because they're, they're connected between these three cities, uh, Blazer City, Blazer which City. was uh, Zakiseta, but people just called it that because they got tired of calling it Zakiseta, so it was Blazer City. And then there's Mark City and Hossington. So those are the three big cities that were part of the industrialization. So just based off those names, right, this is a, this community, this corp- corporation, it, in, it includes all of the, like, all the nationalities that settle the island. So the north is easily the most diverse. So, and everyone works well together because you're the source of trade. Like, there's an education system, kind of, and English is the second most spoken language behind Latvian. And Dutch is just kind of there. But when you spread out from the island, so like the very very inland is kind of 
Uncharted, right? An arid kind of lowland. Like, there's people living there, but it's very poor. Like a Wild West type of deal? Yes. Like, so the North is basically your typical kind of 1800s, kind of like Europe would be. But you're, like, the far west. Like, unless you're a coast city, you're practically a surf system in some ways. Not entirely, but, like... Did any of those countries that you mentioned use serfdom? I mean, Latvia, the English didn't. The Dutch didn't. The Dutch didn't. So like, But it's like, that's how poor you were. So, like, they're peasants. There are peasants, and then, like, a lot of the English, like the Latvian cities are like this, because that's how Eastern Europe kind of mm-hmm. was. But the British ones in, like, the southeast are much more typical village settlement. Okay, so when we last left off, there's sanctions on the island, and they're worried that they're going to be invaded by this other country, but this other country, they persuade them to protect them. However, these sanctions are still a big problem, and a certain eight-year-old boy is sent to London. So here we are in the year 1800. I think we can do it. 18, wait, eight, 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 1800? 1800, yes. Wow, okay. Yeah, uh, so... In 1800, there's a problem. Those sanctions, they're extended. Because, frankly, Britain didn't really care enough to really barter with them. Because you're so far off, communication with this island in South America really isn't that... What are these sanctions, like, on just everything? They're just not trading? It's like a trade embargo, or like what? It's essentially an embargo of, like, British goods not reaching the island, or, like, not getting far enough past the island. So, like, once you get to the Indies, that may be as far as your goods go. And mm. people don't want to take your goods that, if your goods can't get that far, they don't want to take them in general. So the island has become much more self-reliant. So, oh, I forgot to mention, there's two legislative bodies that kind of exist that aren't part of the GCAC. Like, one's just a parliament and another's a bit more complicated. I'll explain that later. Because I did not explain it well. Because... Frankly, it's complicated. (laughs) So, at this time, the island is at an estimated population of 650,000 people, which is pretty nice. And what's the, like, what's the square mileage on here? Square mileage, oh. The acreage? The the acreage, (laughs) I couldn't give you an exact. It's a little more than England. Not England, the UK. UK, It's, It's more than the UK? Yeah, just a bit. This is so, a giant island. Actually, I'll, I'll get into the geography here for a second. So you know kind of the how Panama stretches out mm-hmm. from South America. So when the asteroid hit that formed the Yucatan kind Kay. of area, mm-hmm. that plate got shifted out and kind of formed this island. So your divergent is like 15 million years ago? Yeah, yeah, just the asteroid <laughs> was a little bigger and put a little more land up. That's Wow. That's all. And it's not really inhabited by anyone. There's a few jaguars. Tip, not many of the exotic South American animals. Like the jaguars are kind of more cougar-like, if anything. And the like, uh, what type of forest you got there? What kind of forest? Uh, kind of a lowland forest. There was an earthquake. <laughs> that, like the island. That's the sound the islands made when they <laughs> collided with each other. Well, these plates. So... Anyway, so 
here comes the saving grace from your sanctions is this trading company that's kind of with the British favor, the East Indy Independent Trade Federation. Is this an actual historical thing? No. Who who founded this federation? The Dutch. That That's a very Dutch thing to do. Yes. So they start trading with the settlements, and they're like, okay, since they're not listening to you, we'll lobby with them because we're in good standing with the British. So the sanctions are lifted, but on condition because the uh, – we'll call them the EIITF. Not, we're not going to say their name too often. Um, they you and your acronyms. Oh, I love my acronyms. Maybe that's why your um, your alternate history is so hard to understand because of all the acronyms. Well, also, I made a fake island that no one knows looks like except for me. That's true. <laughs> that uh, could complicate things. That, that does complicate things. So um, they basically made it to where all trade had to, majority of trade had to go through them. And the British are like, okay. They're okay with that? Well, the Brit- this doesn't affect the British, really, too much. But, I mean, this is just like a, a middleman through the sanctions. Like, yeah. They really must have not really cared about these sanctions if they're just willing, like, oh, this Dutch company, they can just they can just do all the trading. Well, they're like, yeah, you're basically still sanctioned, but just with someone else. So the British are fine with this, as long as they're not working with the French. Like, that was the one kind of caveat. So uh, they're lifted with those conditions. Now, it's 1815, and that boy wrote in white. He's now uh, 23. <laughs> he, and he returns to the town of Mears, which is in the southeast. And uh, the, EA, the EIITF creates a monopoly on trade. Basically. Who would have thought that would happen? No, who would have? <laughs> So one of the legislatures called Tyson Mock attempts to minimize it, and so does like the other one. But essentially what the EIITF would do is, hey, you're not trading for six months with us, so you don't trade with anyone. So what happens is they're kind of reaching out to the GCAC to build in those highways so they can be much more r- reliant upon themselves. So this is kind of a part where we see the people of the island really seeing themselves more as a united people. What... um than just, I live in the north, I'm different from the guy in the west. What type of, like, resources does this island have? So, right now, there's some very, very bare silver work being done. Um, In the southeast, lumber is a big deal. And then there's some lumber in the north, too. And uh, metalworking is a big part of it, as well as, like, shipbuilding. So, yeah. So... And um, actually, the... West and South are kind of more like planes like at this point, I mean, you said earlier that it's they're trying to industrialize or um the yes. northern yeah the northern corporation part. people are trying to industrialize yes, um what industries are they trying to industrialize so I one of the big ones is a textile industry because getting textiles was extremely difficult with the sanctions since stuff past the Indies isn't coming in, so is there are they growing cotton themselves, like in the, the plains area that you were talking about? Most or? of the cotton is being bought through the EITTF from, the South, Dutch. A- yeah, from South America, basically, because right on top of it, basically. Okay. They but they also, like, steam power isn't as uh, incorporated as it could be because it takes a while for technology to really advance. Especially if Britain's, America. like, embargoed you. I mean, yes. most of the industrialization that happened in Europe and in America came from people 
from Britain just taking the secret yeah, just away. Leaving. Just leaving and like, hey, guys, I know how to make a a water frame. <laughs> Let's make one on this river. But um, not to say that there wasn't like, yeah, innovations yeah. elsewhere. But that's how most of it like kicked off. Yeah, most of it was British. Like for your country to really kick off an industrial boom, it was ba- usually in part due to the British. Or someone who defected from the British. Yes. Like uh, one of those people that left for like Belgium. Started that. Anyway, so now uh, countries in dire economic straits once again. So they expand the highway system. And uh, do they have a paper currency? What's the currency like? It's very much so hard gold, silver, basically. They're using like coinage? They're using coinage, like banknotes really aren't that kind of a thing. Because, like, really... Well, it's not really, like, a centralized government at all. No, not at all. These are just villages kind of bartering among themselves. And if I have gold, that's what I sell to a merchant from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually some tension breaks out to where uh, they want to meet all the people in charge on this island, want to meet with the EIITF, whatever. Uh, but they also at the same time are like, hmm, maybe we should do something else. So Roden White, that guy who went to Britain, is dispatched back to Britain where he had been educated to try and change the trade conditions on behalf of the island. So the Western Settlements economy stabilizes thanks to these highways because now you have more of a national trade. What are these highways being made out of? So basically it's... you gravel and typically dirt but on the sides there typically be like logs to keep it from oh we talked about away. This yes because people they started they this started little, stealing the gravel so they had to start a police system so people wouldn't take the logs so the highways went a road <laughs> so this corporation has their own like thugs policing the road yeah a bit because they technically own the roads like if you wanted to you could walk on the side past the logs but your horse isn't going to fit because there's, like, woods and stuff. Oh, it seems like uh, this is going to cause some issues. Oh, it, it, these roads are going to be real. They're <laughs> they're really good for keeping trade up and going until you put some logs somewhere else on the road. Mm. So uh, Tyson Mock and GCAC completely banned trade with the EIITF. So, basically, the north and the west aren't trading with them, but the southeast is. And essentially, they're like, okay, we won't build roads to you anymore. But they connected the roads with their own roads, so that didn't really work. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. No. They would just make their own roads. So, uh, Roden White's having some trouble convincing the government, so they find some, uh, the British government. So, they find this other guy to come help him. In March of 1834, 24-year-old Venter Sands of Patravuma joins Roden White in London. Patravuma, or whatever you just said. That is one of the ones in the GCAC, right? Yes, it is. So, uh, White is from the southeast, which is actually a fairly wealthy area. Because they are the first to, like, separate into, like, Revents, which is basically, like, um, basically what a state would be. This is like, like an actual like working government. Like they have yes, they like have a working government with like a parliamentary system. So like a like a 
British legislative branch. Yes, like typical parliament, I elect you, you vote with party line, whatever. But like, it didn't really affect day-to-day life that much, but now that you have where you can't have anything leave or come into the island practically, the um, amount of focus you put on your like representative is a much more important thing. Are there like uh, parties that are trying to like re- not, reconcile with the British? Like what? Not at this time, but we'll get to that. So the GCAC and basically the Parvement both send white and sands because they're the wealthiest areas. And in September of 1835, um, if everything, they convinced the British to remove the trade conditions. But in December, they actually. No one's really sure why the British decided to do this, but they also, dis- the British government decided to bar trade with the EIITF because some believe they suspected they were, like, trying to give away territories to the Dutch or something. What year is it now? It is 1835. Oh. 1835. Going on 1836. Okay, okay. <laughs> so White and Sands write two combined reports on how to restore economic stability on the island. So in what language? In all of them? Uh, th- these two are both, um, well, it's written in English, Dutch, and Latvian, but the primary language is Latvian, because the title, they don't change the title, actually. So it's called Oserzeigt van Stiblit, which, is, which means uh, Articles of like Stabilization. So they, they write two reports, and they're both together. Now, something important to note is White's report comes first. This is something that's going to kind of haunt Sands for a while because it gives White more name recognition than his. And they called for a united central government in hopes of, like, restoring the island. So White called for a united central government to handle primary trade function and regulations. And he also wanted to establish an army to kind of show, hey, we have force. Because at this point... There's small little brawls breaking out with the EIITF. They're still kicking around? They are, because they're kind of mad that, hey, we can't trade with the British anymore, or you, so they kind of fight with them. Because White had seen where, like, you had a few cannons, and that convinced the Kells to, like, hey, we'll, we'll stick up for you. That sounds nice. But Sands uh, called for something where, like, government wouldn't really be too focused on the trade function and he believed like only in the most severe case should you kick in like an embargo or something so white you said he was from southeast right yes which that's the rev so is that kind of what he's looking at like as a unified political body he just wants that like on a larger scale yes he wants more of the revens while sands is much more let's think of this from the village's point of view he's from the GD something Yeah, C. the GCAC. So he's more akin to their... To their kind of system of uh, organization, but also the villages are pretty self-sufficient. So you have like a federalist and uh What was the other one? Oh, um... A Whig, right? No, not a Whig. The, back then, the Whigs were the guys who were like completely looking for the... Federalist. Just implant what Britain has. Federalist and... Anti-federalists. The anti-federalists. <laughs> uh, so Sands called for a central government to focus primarily on internal infrastructure, which is kind of what the GCAC did, and development oversight for smaller revent organized governments. 
Sands also wanted government's only trading authority to be over strict restrictions of trade with other governments. So I'm still stuck on this anti-federalist thing. Wasn't it the Democratic Republican Party? Uh, yeah, because that was Jefferson, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know it was federalist and then... Was it just anti-federalist? I think it was Democratic-Republican. Unfederalist. <laughs> no federalization. None of it. Bring back the articles of confederation. confederation. <laughs> Despite the fact that we're having a whiskey rebellion about it. <laughs> so uh, now we're, this report has come out, and these two are kind of seen as the leading figures on what we should do to unite this island. But economic recovery is yet to be seen in 1836, and White and Sands returned from Britain in June of that year, both heading up separate unification units. So this is kind of what you brought up earlier. So White establishes the Enforceable Unification Party. Is this going to be another acronym? No, it, oh, okay. but we're just calling it the Enforcement Party for okay. short. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, November 1836, Venter Sands and a guy named Ewell Dexter, he'll be important later on, create the Industrial Focused Unification Party, or just the Industrial Party. Ooh. So this is something, names on the island become very weird, like with political parties, you basically pick one word that describes them, and that's it. But also with naming of towns, because people couldn't decide, hey, we want a more Dutch name, we want a more English name, we want a more Latvian. So they just take like a, a prefix and then add son or ton to the end of it. Which is uh, my excuse for just lazily naming towns. I mean, it works. It's canon. So the EIITF, for like a last gasp thing, says, okay, we're done with you. So they burn Petrovuma out of retaliation, then just sail away. Wow. Yeah. So that's the last we hear of them. Th they just, they're going to leave without any repercussion? Uh, Well, they basically go bankrupt a few years later or just disappear. It's not well recorded what happens next. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Plot armor. <laughs> so now we have these two unification movements. But here comes a third. So it's important to note that, like, people... We just now kind of got used to being buddy-buddy with everyone. So the West is kind of like, well, we don't want more of a GCAC system or a more Parvement-like system. We want Tyson mocked, which is our system. And people were also afraid of who would have more power since the North and Southeast were more populous. And, um, sorry to bring this up, uh, oh yeah. the Tyson mock, what, what does that look like? So it doubles as a legislative system and a judicial system. Uh, it's a mixture of both. So, like, your legislature picks who the highest ranking judges are in your, like, region. Like, amongst themselves? Like, they pick two guys who are, like, approved judges, essentially. It's... There's no, like, executive? It's just a legislative... It's a bicameral? Well, you gotta think this place isn't united. So, basically, you had... Yeah, there's so no executive. you got the courts and you got laws, but nobody to enforce the laws. Well, Tyson mocked has courts and laws. Uh, Parvment just has laws. Oh. Yeah, they basically had two houses of Parvment, so it's like, oh, it passed twice. We're good. <laughs> house one and house two. So, uh... There's a third unification movement that starts, and this one starts to grab some traction. The Dutch-born businessman Matthias Hoff publishes something called Appointed Unity. 
Hoff was born in 1797 outside Amsterdam. His family emigrated to Jebatoria in 1805, then settled in Unionson, which is kind of the main city on the west, not the west, the east. East. He spent several years as the proprietor of several mills and textile works, which were basically in the north. Well, we're in 36, 37 now. Yeah. So it should be going pretty long, huh? Yeah. Okay. So he's doing pretty well for himself. And in Hoff's paper was seen as the great key to unifying the island. Many were unsure of the methods and division through which Sands and White were undertaking to unify the island. So we don't want a more north-like system. We don't want a more southeast-like system. So Hoff kind of comes up with his own system. The primary appeal of his work was the system of appointment, which would be used to establish leadership, as many found difficulty trying to balance power between Parvment, Tysonmacht, and the GCAC-like systems. The system of government proposed would work as follows. Cities would be grouped into nationwide revents. So you'd still do the thing where, like, these are our versions of states or provinces. And cities would vote on members of a commission to choose one candidate. So basically, I choose ten people to choose who our candidates are. Did you just make up an electoral college? No. (laughs) No, this is not. Believe me, this is not like the electoral college. So in your town, you got ten guys, and they're going to pick someone from town to be your Revan's candidate. And then the whole Revan votes on every town's candidates, and they represent the Revan. Okay. So there's like... Okay. Uh, But the problem is Hoff's system was very fundamental. Like, there wasn't much uh, nitty-gritty to it. Like, this is as simple as it got, and it's a problem that we're going to see. And and they would represent the entire Revent. These representatives would form one grand legislature. Together, they would choose a president, a legislative head, and three leaders of Revents. So you say president. Does that mean there's an executive Yes, this now? would establish... Well, the problem is this executive branch is to having, like, uh, department heads work under me. It's one guy. It's just one guy? And plus, you have a guy who's basically the executive and legislative branch, with him being in charge of the legislative body, and then you choose three guys who are also not in charge of the legislative body, but part of the executive, basically. Uh, these five individuals would have the final yay-nay votes on whether laws passed. Yeah, so you had five guys basically making the decision at the end. You just designed a very complicated oligarchy. Yes. Initially, Hoff's idea did not appeal to Sands or White's parties. However, Hoff began advocating for establishing military control and creating an army. And people who, like, liked uh, White really, like, fell for this idea. So uh, this appealed to a good portion of White's followers, but... White himself was personally against Hoff's approach. Sands and his party began taking closer stances with White out of retaliation to Hoff. And what begins to happen is you see more of these intellectuals against Hoff go to the GCAC because these are the only places really saying, we don't like this at all. Because like, they like what they have of kind of a rough kind of system. I mean, they have power. They don't want to give it up, you know? Yeah. That's what's most of the unification movements have trouble with right it's having this ruling class this status quo and then either having to reconcile it or reconstruct it mm-hmm. and um i'm trying to think um like basically gcac is like we think our system's gonna work much better than yours but everyone ice like parvment and tyson mocks like you know what 
we need to unite because we're the ones who really took the burden from all these sanctions. The GCAC was better off, so we're going to unite. And the GCAC is really like, uh, we'd rather not be part of this nonsense. So, uh, But they also at the same time want to avoid this. So the GCAC partners to create kind of a national army, which uh, poorly organized, basically said any volunteers... And at one point, basically, your generals, or what would be your generals, were basically whoever volunteered first or who was oldest. It's like in some cases you have a 72-year-old guy, because no one has any military experience of any sort. And what you have are, a lot of these are idealists. They feel very romantically about this idea of, oh, we'll appoint everyone, we'll be nice and united. Like, Spanish Civil War, kind of, I'm a writer, let's sit in a trench. <laughs> yeah. So this is getting crazy. Uh, so they create these uh, these revents, and the GCAC even divides themselves into these just for the sakes of streamlining things. Uh, but they're still not on board with national unification, right? They want national unification. But just not under Tysonmacht. Mm, just not under... So Tysonmacht and Parfman aren't part of this plan. Like, in Hoff's plan, you replace them, basically. Okay. With your grand legislature. Oh, Yeah. The Galactic Senate. So they set forth a national vote to be set on this to see how many towns want this. And basically all of them except those in the GCAC want it. And a few like little ones that are close to the north kind of say, can we become part of the GCAC? So they do to just avoid this. Um, and a navy is created, which actually is more effective because there are people with naval experience. Does it include more than one fishing boat? Yes, it does, because, like, there's this one island of this island that, like, they were a harbor. They made ships, so they actually could. So, like, the west coast is actually very well organized with this navy. Uh, All but four GCA Revens vote against joining this new uh, Hoff's idea of uniting under this. So, like, four little towns decide to join, one of which being a town called Hilland which is on a lake. They're going to be important. So Roden White is now part of the GCAC. Him and Venter Sands and all these other intellectuals against them. He becomes head of it. Because he had, just from that paper. Like I thought there wasn't an executive. No, there isn't, but it's kind of like, oh, you're the commissioner kind of thing. Like so he he's is, like the CEO of the GCAC? Yeah, it's kind of a title for the most part. Like you're the most fanciful of all these board members basically <laughs> he uh so this is put forth and basically everyone else but the north is uniting into a big country and appointed unity which is that thing hoff wrote mm-hmm. he just fakes that the constitution he does not it's bother so to write one <laughs> that is it his manifesto is the constitution yes and it doesn't work well it's hard to know hoff was not a guy with crazy aspirations this was his idea, and he's like, I can probably execute it best because it's my plan. Like, he's not a dictatorial-like character. Like, he doesn't have grand aspirations for power. But um, what he puts forth is very, like you said, oligarchical. So it doesn't work that well. well um, yeah, so 24 revens of this new uh, commonwealth select uh, 72 legislatures total. 
Uh, Parliament in Tyson mocked hand over all power of governments over to the Grand Legislature. So they're gone now. But there's still some members of that who are like, maybe we can still make our system work. So they kind of go the GCAC. And the greater, on December 2nd, 1844, the greater Jebatorian Commonwealth is officially formed. So now technically they're all unified except for the GCAC, which is basically its own thing. This is a very interesting, like, way it went down. I mean, you have these three different ways, right? Three different leaders. Yeah. You have these three different bodies of power. And, like, in the end, the fourth one that comes out of nowhere kills the other two and one stays. Which I get, which makes sense probably. Yeah. I mean, like, the other ones kind of call for, like, this, the, the, um, the destruction of the, uh, like... If you're the with the uh, the parvement, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of calls for the destruction of the other one, right? And if with you're the other one, it kind of calls for the destruction, or at least disintegration it call for of the, some. It doesn't call for the destruction per se. It's more the implementation of what we are, which threatens, you know. Yeah, it, it threatens the other's way of life. And with sense. a half, he kind of just comes and he's like, you know what? Everybody can kind of have some of their power still. Yeah, and. To a degree, that's very good at unifying people's sentiments of, hey, we can be united. Uh, but, well, yeah. So, for now, I'm going to leave that off here. There's some more I'll get into, but I'm going to let you take a step here. Oh. So, oh. So we're going to pause for a minute. Okay, so that that's uh that's the first part here of my founding. There's a little uh, well, there's some more key parts to come, but I think uh, next time we're gonna cover everything Ryan has to say, and with there we will we will leave it off. And if you have any um, recommendations for if you liked the uh, the way we kind of recorded this one, you know, where we had it more focused on one person, then uh, let uh, let us know. I feel like it works better. Yep, yeah, I think it does. So uh we're gonna leave it off there and we'll see what happens in what what uh what who give us a key character here. What's going on with uh Oh it's gonna be about Kafir. Kafir. Yeah, my man, Kafir. Kafir.